Hello and welcome to Groove Therapy, a podcast that explores the effects of live music on our brains, bodies, and our lives and provides a space for you, our listener, to learn more about how you can bring the magic of live music into your everyday life. My name is Dr. Leah Taylor, and I am joined here with my fabulous co-host, Tara Lee Weathers. That's me. Hey, everyone. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so happy to be here. I'm coming to you from my boat. I know. I was just going to mention that, too. I am looking at you and your boat. It's like such a glorious view. Yeah, it's in beautiful Burlington, Vermont. And actually, my marina is directly across from the Waterfront Park, which is a venue that our guest produces events at. Well, that is synchronistic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what a tie-in. Because our guest on this episode is Alex Crothers, and he is the promoter and producer of incredible events for Higher Ground Presents in Burlington, Vermont, but also they have expanded to a lot of other places in New England. And so if you see a really cool event that looks like more awesome than all of the other events, likely Alex (laughs) is behind it. (laughs) The most awesome event. Yeah, they really are. Like they're just like so unique and fun. Like everything is well thought out. And then also the staff is like so friendly and knowledgeable and you know higher ground has people that work from like once you work for higher ground you like you stay because it's an incredible company to work for and that's just a testament of who alex is as a person because there's not that many companies that people want to stay at because they're not treated with respect or they don't like like people love live music that's also a really important part of Mm -hmm. working at higher ground and the higher ground presents so they love like what they're doing and they feel really passionate about bringing these events to the people and it so shows in everything that they do. Yeah, you know, that intention and passion behind the events makes such a difference. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Why they would be the most awesomest events around. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I've definitely been to events where like the staff is just like miserable and mean and it really does make a difference. And you're like, wow, if like a whole staff is miserable and mean, like what's going on behind the scenes? Like I feel like there's Mm -hmm. like a holistic energy that has to happen for an event and a company to be successful over the years. And Higher Ground Presents like definitely has that down on point. Yeah, it was really great. I can't say that I've been to any of those events. So I can't wait to make it out to Vermont. I've only been there once, but I really look forward to going again and hanging out with you and going to see some live music. I know. Listeners, can you believe it? Leah and I have actually never met in person. Isn't that freaking (laughs) crazy? pretty crazy. It's pretty freaking crazy. (laughs) We spent a lot of time together, though, over the last year and a half. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I feel like I know you and I feel like we've definitely hugged in real life. But so far, we've only had the virtual ones through time and space. (laughs) That's right. Yes. So it will happen one day and I'll get to experience one of Alex's events. But it was so great to hear from him and, you know, all of the innovative things that he's doing, too, as live music comes back in and you know, there wasn't really enough time to do the planning of like the big shows. So how could live music still happen in a way? And he created this really awesome new thing that you guys are going to hear about in this interview. Yeah, it's really exciting. I think it should happen in more places than just Burlington. Yeah, and not just the backside of Burlington. (laughs) 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 That's the name of the venue is backside. (laughs) It is on the backside of another place, (laughs) just in case you're wondering. (laughs) Uh And they did something really cool that you'll hear about in the interview. He explains all about it. But yeah, I think that is like that should be a place that we're going with live music experiences because it really yep. just makes sense. It's supportive of all because, mm-hmm. I mean, taking on the job of promoter is a really scary job because you don't know what's going to happen with the weather and like other oh, so many factors. And so this kind of like allows the fans to be able to support you so you can continue doing what you do. And I'm really excited for everyone to hear exactly what that is. And maybe if you are a promoter, maybe you'll bring that into your community or your friends with one and you could tell them about it. Yeah. And speaking of promoters, this concludes our three-part series where we really focused on the heroes behind the scenes that are making the music happen. 
Uh, so this was really cool. We started with Paul Levine from Huluween and who is a festival promoter. And then we did Greg Kaiden from Mr. Hat Presents, who's an independent concert promoter. And now we have Alex, who is more of like a traditional brick and mortar venue promoter. Although he's not just one brick and mortar venue. He's doing a lot of things, a lot of places. Yeah. And he's actually a festival promoter now too. They put on a lot of wow. Higher Ground is the venue in Burlington. And then Higher Ground Presents is the promoter company that does all the festivals and different things. Yeah. He's doing a lot. Yeah. Of he good does stuff. a lot. I don't know. Does he ever sleep? I, I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> there are people like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely not one of those people. I sleep a lot. <laughs> Me either. Yeah, some of my friends this weekend were wondering if Lebo is a robot <laughs> because he like just is always playing music until like four thirty in the morning and then he's back up for another set and yeah. So yeah. he's one of those people. Yeah. Too. That's what Dan and I, when we were driving through that Adirondacks, we were listening to our podcast and we were listening to the Marco Benevento one and he was talking about mm -hmm. he'll like go on the road and be like playing like nonstop all the time and he comes home and he'll have fam or like dinner with his family and hang out with his kids and then when they go to bed he's like I'm back in the studio and playing music to like four in the morning again <laughs> yeah it's like when that passion is there it's there that's right and that's the beauty about music is that it really feeds musicians and promoters and us as live music fans you know like it Yes, you know, everybody needs sleep. And if you don't get sleep, your battery will get drained. But music is definitely an outlet that can, it's just as energizing as it is draining of energy as far as like using energy. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I mean, I went to a show, I was like out until like two in the morning the other night, and I'm still kind of tired from it. <laughs> but it was so worth it. And I, I'm going to be doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get to our interview with Alex, Tara Lee, why don't you tell listeners how they can learn more about what you are up to? Yeah. Well, so I'm actually up to something that I'm super excited about. I'm leading a retreat in Costa Rica that's happening March 1st through the 6th. And I'm kind of thinking about it. It's like a reset button because it's happening right after Fish Mexico, right after the Envision Festival that happens in Costa Rica. And it's also, you know, in the dead of winter, but we're going to be in a tropical, beautiful place. And so, you know, two big events happen. And this retreat is going to be focused on relaxation, rejuvenation and fun and play. And we're just going to have the best time kind of like pushing the reset button on life so you can feel inspired and really get clear your mind so you can see what it is that you want. And I'm also really great at like lighting you up so you can see your most magical, amazing potential. So you when you leave the retreat and go home, you could actually make the changes that you've been talking about making your whole life. And that is what my biggest testimonial I've gotten from all people that have come to my retreats before is like, I leave thinking about life differently. And then it allows me to make the changes in my life. Life, and now my life is so amazing. And those people keep on coming back year after year. So I want you to come too. And so if you're interested in coming to a five-star eco resort called Imaloa on a mountaintop overlooking the ocean, but like minutes from the beach in Costa Rica, I would love, love, love to have you. There's going to be surprise, intimate, magical performances um, that are mm. going to be announced. They're not announced yet, but that will be happening around a fire in the yoga studio at at the Bali house that's overlooking the ocean and the salt has a saltwater pool. So it's going to be amazing. And if you are interested in that, just DM me the word Costa Rica on my Instagram, which is at Rocking Life. And after Rocking Life, there's two underscores after that. And I would love to hook you up and set you up with that retreat. It's probably going to sell out pretty quickly once we announce it, which when you hear this, it will be announced. So act soon if you want to join me. Yeah, that sounds so amazing. And it's actually really related to what we're going to be talking about in the Did You Know and the Daily Jam, too. Yes. So I love that. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, I would love to hear what you're up to as well. So what I would love to tell you about is a virtual package that I have. It's an embodied groove package, which is a live music dance experience. But this, I had to go virtual over the last year and a half. So I have curated four virtual embodied groove classes, which really help to 
warm you up and open you up to best receive the medicine of live music. So I have those. I also have three mind-body practices that are good for any time to help relieve stress and anxiety. So if you're feeling a little jittery or nervous about going out to live music around a lot of people, these can be really helpful for that. And as a bonus, if you act before July 28th, which is when Fish starts their tour, then you can also receive the pre-show ritual, which is what I do every time before a show to just really help to align you to your highest and brightest show self so that you can show up confident and ready to shine and ready to really receive the beauty and the medicine of live music that is called Out of the Shadows and Into the Light. And you can find that at embodiedgroove.com. Amazing. And I know that it works because I've heard from people that know you that when you are out on the dance floor, you are shining like the sun. And so I have no (laughs) doubt it's because of your pre-show ritual that you're doing and that you are like embodying the groove that you are teaching, um, but doing it out in the wild (laughs) at the live music. So people are so in for a treat and you should all take advantage of that. Yeah. So check it out. It's only $27 and you can have it for the rest of your life and use it before every show and festival that you go to. Woohoo. So that's like a penny for like every time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's right. Good return on investment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we are a part of the Osiris Podcast Network and I just want to give a shout out to Osiris for being so amazing and having this platform for being able to talk about live music because I love live music, but I also love listening to people talking about live music. (laughs) And so I'm so grateful that they have this, this platform and for hosting us and so many other podcasts. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Osiris. And thank you for listening because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Yeah, we would just sit here talking to ourselves and having no one listen to us. So we're really grateful <laughs> that because we just like, I mean, I would talk to you anyway if no one listened to us, but I'm grateful that they're, that you're all out there listening to us. And if you feel it, share our podcast with a friend. If everybody who's listening shares it with a friend, we double our audience. And, and then right. if that happens, that we can double it again and double it again. And then we'll be spreading mm-hmm. the health and wellness magic of the live music experience with more and more people. And that's our goal. Yeah. So just think of one person who might be interested in hearing one of these episodes and share. Also, if you could leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, that would be really amazing. That way other people find out about us or follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And that helps people know that this is a podcast worth listening to. Yeah. And the last way that you can stalk us, or there's two ways, is Instagram, Groove Therapy Podcast. And then also on Facebook, the Groove Therapy Podcast community. We would love to connect with you there. So if you want to stalk us, that is all the ways. And we love our stalkers. (laughs) 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 All right. I guess I think we'll be right back, right? We'll be right back. And we're back with Alex. Hey, Alex. Hi, Tara Lee. Nice to see you. <laughs> nice to see you, too. I'm so excited that you agreed to be a guest on our podcast because, I mean, there would be a lot less amazing things to do in Burlington if it wasn't for you. Thanks. It's nice to be back, honestly. We've been dark for, I think we closed on March 11th last year, 2020. So it's 14 plus months and the club's not going to turn back on until beginning of September, end of August. So that'll be 17 months that will be dark and closed. But yeah, it's nice to see things reopening now. And uh, we've got a bunch of fun stuff. I mean, it's actually going to be one of the busiest summers I think we've ever had in terms of concert events in Vermont. Yeah, I was wondering about that because you have a whole new venue that's an outdoor venue called 405 Backside. It's amazing. And then also there's all the things at Shelburne that are happening and there's more. (laughs) And what else is happening? (laughs) There's there's the Midway Lawn out at the Champlain Valley Expo. So the Midway, we just announced two nights of Twiddle uh, yesterday. So instead of our annual tumble down that we do down on the waterfront, we put a pin in that for this summer, just putting together festivals you know, it takes almost a year of planning. And so we just don't have the wherewithal to pull that together in such a short period of time. You know, we didn't get the reopening guidelines from the state until I think it was the second week of April. 
And it, even then, you know, it required us hitting certain benchmarks. So we really couldn't start planning. So as a result, we've decided to come up with some alternative solutions. So instead of doing tumble down in its sort of traditional form, we're doing double down. So not on the waterfront, but out at the expo, we'll do two nights of twiddle out there. They've got um, some of their side projects who are opening up each show. So we've got those two shows at the Midway Lawn. We've got Billy Strings. We've got Nathaniel Rateliff with Marcus King. We've got Primus in early October out there. And why do I feel like there's another show that I might be missing out there? I think that's it, I guess. And then, yeah, Shelburne, we've got We've got two more shows at Shelburne we're announcing next week, and that'll put us, I think, at eight or nine shows out there, which is, that's a pretty full season. And then, yeah, Backside 405 is uh, every Friday and Saturday, starting a couple of weeks ago, Memorial Day weekend, and right through the end of summer. So there'll be 26 shows in total there. Yeah. And so at that that new venue, at Backside, four, no, is it 405? How, how do you say it? It's What's the whatever order? you want to call it. It's fine. We're easy, you know. Um, we call we call it backside four hundred five, but we call it four hundred five backside. It's 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 a venue for the people. So whatever the people want to call it. Yeah, it really is. It's so cool. I went there. I saw Upstate last weekend, and I loved how because as things are opening up, everyone has a different level of getting back into the swing of things. And so some people are just like, I'm all good, masks off, like I want to be by people, this is awesome. And then there's other people that are like, whoa, this is a lot of people and I'm like not quite ready to dive in. And I feel like that venue kind of has something for everyone because you can go in the back and sit in the Adirondack chairs or you can go up and be sweaty dancing with people in the front. So it kind of offers like a level of comfort for everyone, which I think is like so important for getting back to things being open again. And that that was the goal. I mean, there were kind of two and a half things that were we were aiming to accomplish with that. I mean, one is we really wanted to try to find a way to give a platform to local and regional bands who aren't going to get an opportunity at Shelburne Museum or the Midway Lawn because those are bigger venues. They have a higher lift. The ticket prices, you know, tend to be a little bit higher. So it's, as we were kind of rolling those out, I was like, man, you know, and none of the indoor venues or, I mean, certainly higher ground's not going to be open. I don't know about some of the other downtown venues, if they're going to try to get open indoors at full capacity this summer. But it certainly, when we were conceiving of backside, it did not seem like anyone was rushing to get those venues open this summer. So that's where the idea came was to actually provide an opportunity for those bands to come into a place that's, you know, got, it's got a lower threshold. You can have a, a cheaper ticket price. It's, it's downtown. So it's easy to dip your toe in and out of. So that was, that was number one. And then number two was to just give training wheels for people, for the audience and the music fans, a way to get back to seeing live music before coming to a show at Shelburne with 3,000 people or Midway Lawn with 4,000 people or or wherever else they're going, you know, to a fish show or a dead show or a whatever show they're going to this summer of which, you know, there's hundreds. So, so this was kind of like, okay, we can get this turned on quick and we can give people, especially people who are anxious and exuberant to go see live music again, a way to come back with training wheels and like, okay. And it, it was funny. The first two weekends, we've seen that people have come in, you know, some have come in masked. Oftentimes the masks that they come in wearing don't last very, don't last very long. And some people hang in the back, they get more comfortable, they move forward. We've been running vax clinics on site as well, you know, but most people in Chittenden County are already vaxxed and most people in Vermont are already vaxxed. So that's another thing that gave us just a high degree of comfort in getting this turned on was the fact that you know, we have such a high vax rate here that people feel comfortable. And right now, masks in Vermont, they're not required, but they are encouraged. So, you know, people can choose whether to wear them or not. Yeah. And so that's great. And we've had our staff in masks. We're trying to make it we're trying to make it easy for people who want to wear masks because you don't know what people's situations are. Some people mm-hmm. haven't been vaxxed, you know, for a variety of reasons. And so if people are still feeling like they want to wear masks, we want to make it, you know, easy and comfortable for them. And Carolee, like you pointed out, it's also, it's outdoors. 
which we know now transmission rates are extremely low outdoors mm-hmm. and it's incredibly spacious. So you really can choose your own adventure in terms of how much interaction you want with, with other human beings. I will tell you, like at that first show, I, I think I, I got hugged like 57 times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hugs are definitely back. <laughs> For sure. So yeah. Yeah. And the space, is this a space that came easily to you? Did it take long to acquire it? I've never been to higher ground, so I don't know what kind of space you have around it, but how did you get the space for backside four or five? So this space is down on Pine Street across from March Right next to the Maltex building. And it's behind the building that the BCA bought. The BCA, which is Burlington City Arts, which is, you know, sort of an extension of the city government. It's their arts program that's been going on for a long time, 30 plus years. They bought this building maybe two years, three years ago. And they have, they're in half of the building and they've got a pottery studio and they run art classes and they run summer arts programs for kids. And so I've got a relationship with BCA that goes way back. And when I kind of came up with this idea to do, to have a downtown ongoing weekly concert series, I just sort of went through my mental Rolodex of where the spaces that you could do this. I I wanted some space or I needed some space really honestly, is I needed a space where we could leave stuff set up. Because again, the whole goal with this was to make it affordable and to make it affordable in terms of ticket prices, you have to reduce the amount of setup and teardown that you're going to do for every show. And if you're down there every Friday and Saturday, it's just not going to be sustainable to set it up and tear it down with that level of artist because, you know, we're selling three, four, 500 tickets and the tickets are, they're 15, 20 bucks. So there's not enough money to cover all the labor and staging and staffing and everything that you would need to if you were setting it up and tearing it down every single time. So that was a big prereq that we had to solve for. And so this space was a sort of a grassy parking lot. It's surrounded by trees. It feels urban, but it also feels very natural because it just, it's in an area of town that even though it's like central to everything, it's been, it's sort of a forgotten little oasis back there because it backs right up to the barge canal, which has basically been untouched for 50 years. So it's great. And the Maltex is right next door. So there's free parking there and it's urban enough. It's downtown enough that, you know, we get a ton of people riding their bikes and walking, which is what we wanted as well. And what we'd hoped for. So, yeah. So, I mean, it, it works well. I just, I reached out to the BCA and kind of pitched them on this concept and this idea and they were enthusiastic about it. And then we went through all the proper hoops and channels to get it done. And here we are. That sounds awesome. It is. I'm so glad I live here and get to experience that. And I just saw all like a bunch of new shows and I'm going to be there all the time. Yeah. And you can because there is a season pass that's being offered. Right. So tell us a little bit about the season pass, because that's kind of different for music venues. Yeah. So the season pass is sort of the white whale of our world. It's something we've talked about forever. You know, could we create a situation at any point in time where we reduce friction for people who want to come see music because um, a lot of folks, at least a lot of our like core customers, the core patrons, like they, they see a lot of music, you know, they, they devote a lot of energy and budget, you know, to going to see live music. So it's something that's come up over and over and over again. And for a whole bunch of reasons, it's always pretty challenging to implement in normal settings, you know, because it's, there has to be limits on it in terms of when it starts and when it ends and what does it get you and we have capacity restrictions we have contractual restrictions with the artists so it's always been a great idea that's been nearly impossible to execute and backside though is it's finite you know it starts on memorial day it ends on labor day we were able to announce about half of the season right up front when we launched it which enabled us to offer a season pass. We also don't have strict capacity restrictions down there. I mean, we have a capacity, but we don't have a capacity that we're going to ever touch down there based on the types of shows that we're, we're booking. So we don't have the same type of constraints that we would have in other spots. So it allows us more flexibility to try something like this out. It's also we kind of pitched as like, oh, it's a 
CSA for music, you know, here's your opportunity to like kind of pay it forward and pay up front because, you know, like some of the shows they get rained on, you know, they, they may get canceled because of either foul weather, you know, and the only way, the only time we cancel shows is because of, you know, lightning or incredibly high winds, but there could be a band that's playing in the pouring rain, in which case, you know, that's going to affect attendance. So this is a nice way to kind of support a bunch of artists and the whole vibe down there for the season in advance. And it's also, it's, it's like your ski pass, right? You buy it and you get to go, it's like, it's a Tuesday and you've got the time off, you run down there. And if the conditions are bad, like you've nothing ventured, nothing gained, and you can just take off. Whereas, you know, this is similar. Like we, we want to encourage people to come check out some new bands some new music. And so they can come down and spend 30 minutes and not feel guilty if they need to peel off and, you know, go do something else that night. Yeah, you might be starting the trend on CSM of community supported music, <laughs> um, just like the CSA. And because it's so true, like when I joined a CSA, I was eating all these vegetables that I never, I see them at the store, but I never buy them because I'm like, I don't know what this is like. And, you know, I know that I like broccoli and I know that I, that I like romaine lettuce, but I never knew that I liked a rutabaga or some of these other weird squashes that I get in my CSA and they end up loving it and they end up being my favorite vegetables ever. And that's, I feel it's the same way with having this season pass. I'm a season pass holder for Backside and that, you know, I'm discovering the rutabagas of the music sometimes (laughs) because I don't have to, it's like not as big of a commitment when you're not investing your money for a show for someone that you hadn't heard of. But if, like you said, you have nothing to lose, so you might as well go. And then it might be my like new favorite band ever. That's right. Yeah. So that's the hope. So far, the season pass sales have been robust. So, I mean, people are definitely into it and supporting it, which is great. And, you know, we've got, we've had four of the shows play off so far. So we still have 22 to go and we're almost done booking the season. I think there's two dates that we've got left, two or three, and then, and then we'll be buttoned up and yeah, on to producing all the shows. Yeah. Well, your theory is already working because after we saw Ray and Russ at Jazz Fest. I brought my friend Kari, who owns Tail Feather in Burlington, over to see Upstate last weekend. And she probably wouldn't have gone because it was like the last 45 minutes. And she headed with me. And she's like, th- like she fell in love with the band. And is going to see great. them time and time. Like anytime they're around. And she was like playing it for her boyfriend, who's out on the road on tour, and was like, listen to this. It's so good. <laughs> and that, that was probably something she wouldn't have gone to if there wasn't a season pass. There you go. Look at that. Mission accomplished. I can go yeah. home now. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. happening already. <laughs> yeah. So how does it feel to have all of this happening and going on after 14 months of kind of being shut down? What's it like? Uh, it's a combination of exuberance and exhaustion. You know, <laughs> it's been a long 14 months. Uh, it's just been tumultuous. It's been filled with panic and anxiety and a lot of logistics and helping staff and balancing needs and trying to understand what are like forecasting what was going to happen. And we got involved with a lot of legislative work to try to figure out, you know, what we could do and how we could, there's, there's a bill that got passed in Congress at the end of last year called the SVOG, the Save Our Stages. Mm -hmm. So we got pretty involved in that. It's been, every step of it's been challenging for a whole lot of reasons as it has been for, you know, almost everybody on the planet in one way or shape or form. But then it's been really cathartic, even just stepping foot the first night at Backside was also filled with anxiety because it was like the first time we produced a show, you know, like that. I mean, we did some drive-in shows last summer, but, you know, it was the first real show that was back to normal, virtually no masks, no social distancing, you know, a band on a stage, people right up front, you know, dancing, having a good time. It felt really good. I mean, there were, there were tears of joy. There were 57 different hugs and high fives. So, I mean, that part has been phenomenal, but you know, it's producing events. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of logistics and staff and pulling things together. And, you know, just kind of, there's a lot of pieces that go into it, you know, and that's kind of the sausage, how the sausage is made behind the scenes, which is normally, you know, that's what we do. And, and that's, that's fine. When you stop 
and have to start that whole thing back up again after being stopped completely for 14 or 15 months, you know, it's basically like we're starting a whole new business from scratch again. So there's challenges that come with that. And some of it's just, you know, like relearning stuff and uh, dealing with the exhaustion of 12, 14, 16 hour days of getting things turned back on. But it's the best kind of exhaustion. I I wouldn't want it any other way right now. Um, I'm just thrilled we're back. I'm thrilled that we're coming back on as quickly as we are. It's I sort of expected this is how things would play out, that once we hit a certain vax tipping point, that the country would, not just Vermont, but but the country would politically and really culturally just start running the other way and, and running towards getting back together and going out and traveling and all the things that we've, we've been missing. It, it's happened even faster than I thought. I mean, it's shockingly fast. I mean, I feel like in the last two weeks, three weeks, it's just been a slingshot. And I, I feel like in another week, I mean, there's going to be, it's going to be like, what pandemic? So, <laughs> so, which is, I mean, we also are fortunately live in Vermont and there's a high degree of vax. And obviously, you know, in the country, different states have taken different approaches to how they've dealt with the pandemic. And, and so some states are, you know, have been back for months and months and months. So it's, it's all a little bit different. And, but, you know, we're here. And so happy to see us turn things back on at a place where everything feels really comfortable because we have such high vax rates. And and we we as producers and promoters of events can turn things back on without a ton of anxiety that it's like, oh, we're bringing 500 people or a thousand people or 2000 people into a space. Some of them are vaxxed. Some of them aren't vaxxed. Is it safe? Should people be wearing masks? Like these were all the daily questions that we were confronted with as we were trying to figure out what things were going to look like as we turn back on. And it's really nice that we kind of leapfrog over all those conversations at the end of the day. And by the time we could actually produce something, you know, the state was already 75% vaxxed and the infection rates were, you know, single digits. That's amazing. That's really awesome. Yeah, I'm out here in California and I don't know what the statistics are, but I am certain they are they are not like that. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I just went to my first kind of like more real like show on Saturday and actually it was a pod or Sunday. It was a pod show, but it didn't end up being a pod show by the end. Like second set, pretty much everybody just kind of filled in the space between the first row of pods and the the stage and I it like kept thinking about how does this feel, you know, to the producers of this event, because this isn't what it was supposed to be like, but it's like people who wanted to stay in their pods could still stay in their pods and people who were choosing to go up front were choosing to go up front. But there is that like in between phase where it's like, whoa, this isn't what I signed up for. And yet here it is, this is happening. And even the musicians on stage, like the only way that they could have stopped that is to actually stop the music and to be like, okay, Everybody needs to to go back to their pods, but they didn't. And everybody just like had fun dancing in front of the stage. And it, it was awesome. It felt really good. It's nice. Yeah. We, I mean, we had a whole pod model that we had designed. We spent months and months designing and we're planning on launching for the summer because we weren't, we, we weren't convinced at all that we were going to be able to have full capacity shows. And um, thankfully we didn't launch it and we didn't even get anyone wound up or make any offers. But I mean, we we spent a lot of time and I mean, the pandemic for us, I, I don't want to minimize anyone else's like pandemic experience because everyone's had their own shit to deal with. But, you know, we spent a lot of time running in place in terms of figuring out events. It's like we were just sprinting and so much of it was just busy work that we ended up throwing out hours and hours of like, okay, well, if we do it this way and we plan this way, or we do pods, well, how do we stand up the pods? How far apart do the pods need to be? How do we CAD them out? How do we keep them equally spaced? How do we light them? Where are people with trash? You know, what if they need to go to the bathroom? You know, it's just like that stuff just consumed us because, you know, we committed to trying to come back and provide a safe space for people to see live music. And I'm just, again, so glad that we don't have to do pods and we're just back to 
Because the pod model doesn't work economically either. So most of the stuff that we did, the drive-in, if we did had done pods, I mean, it's basically just burning time, energy, and money because none of it actually makes money. You know, it's like the economics fall apart. So it's, that's the thing that I think the people on, on my side of the industry realized pretty quickly. We're like, I, there's no way to have concerts any other way than the way we have concerts. You can't have socially distanced yeah. concerts. I mean, you can if you want to just lose money, which, you know, some of us were fine to do, you know, as a stopgap to get through the pandemic, but it's not viable long-term. I have a question actually about what have you been hearing from your employees? Because a lot of people, you know, weren't able to work because there was nothing to go to. And it was so nice returning back and seeing like Kelly in the box office and Clayton and Amber behind the bar and how that all was. So how has it been for the employees and like, how are they feeling now? It, I mean, as far as I've heard talking to them, I mean, everyone was just so thrilled to be back in that environment because the, I mean, the, the reality is everyone who works for us loves live music, right? Like you don't pour drinks or work security or work the box office. You know, you don't do that unless you came to that. It's a calling, right? You know, you don't do that unless you love live music, you know, very, very few people. And we try to root them out, you know, just come at it as a job. So it's baked into their DNA. And so, you know, they were thrilled to come back, at least again, from the interactions I had with, with folks, everyone was, was happy to come back. I think that was also layered with the fact that it was really the first time the show at Backside it was really the first time that people were back together in a crowd, right? And it wasn't a big crowd, but it was it was bigger than just hanging out on someone's back deck or going to someone's house or even having dinner with somebody. You know, the, like we've all generally had those small managed interactions, especially here on the tail end of the pandemic. This was the first time where it was like, whoa there's a hundred people here. There's 150 people here. Like this is like a crowd and there's energy and emotion because again, it's sort of this cathartic release. And it, again, it took a little second. Everyone had to like kind of get their legs under them, get their sea legs. So I think there was a lot of just excitement about being back together with other people, particularly other people like coworkers and people who come like, you know, you, Tara Lee, who are a common fixture at live shows. You know, it's like a lot of the people who were at, you know, like you, you knew most of them or half of them because they're the people who come to see live music. They're the people who are always serving the drinks or checking IDs or in the box office. So, and it was also just this sort of existential reality check of like, wait, like, maybe we are coming out of this thing. Like this is a real thing we're doing that is like a totally pre-pandemic thing that was like anathema, you know, during a pandemic. And so I think it was like a bit of a like light bulb wake up call of, all right, like if we're doing this and this is working, then, you know, we really maybe are coming out the other side of this thing. Yeah. Well, and I think like part of the thing of like, oh my gosh, we're all back together again is because higher ground and everyone who works there and comes there, it's like a family, you know, and people that work at higher ground work there for years and years and years and years, there's probably not a huge turnover rate, because once you're like doing it, they're treated well, and respected and love what they're doing. And they love that the music and getting to see it. So they stay forever. So also, it's like, they didn't get to see their family for so long. And then they got to see their whole family and extended family as like the people like me that come to all the shows all the time. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, your coworkers end up becoming a part of your extended family, you know, just you spend a lot of time with them. And especially in an environment like that, it's not you're not sitting at a desk shuffling papers, you're like, you're on the front lines, you're in the box office, you're behind the bar, you're pushing road cases, it's sometimes long hours, it's, you know, but it's, again, it's it's a calling. So yeah, those folks are those coworkers are a part of your extended family. And, you know, I, you know, I'm not sure how much interacting they were doing out during the pandemic. You know, it's it's one of the things that was sort of strange phenomenon about the pandemic, not surprisingly, but was a strange phenomenon about the pandemic. It's like, I just don't know what was happening with a lot of people. The first thing we had to do when, when we started figuring out we were going to get ready to turn things back on is have a staff meeting and see who showed up. You know, I was like, I don't even know who's in town. I don't, I don't, you know, like, are you like so many people moved during the pandemic, both away from and to Vermont? So it's just interesting kind of catching back up with folks and like figuring out 
where they are and where they're at in their head. And, you know, a lot of people have also decided to switch careers and, you know, move on and do other things. And, you know, so it, it's been an interesting, like, you know, it's like the snow globe, you know, it's like, and now we're just kind of like fig- figuring out where all like the snowflakes are falling. Yeah. I was curious about that. Like, you know, what happened to the employees? Has it been, are you underemployed, overemployed? You know, what is that like? The, we kept all the full-time employees on through the pandemic, which was great. We had a couple of projects. So, I mean, there wasn't a lot to do, but, you know, we tried to come up with some stuff to stay busy. We did the drive-in last summer. We did a big project with Vermont Tourism in December called Forever Green. And then we did a project with Bob Wagner called The Comet Section, which was a live streaming variety show at the club. So, I mean, again, it all lost money, but it was a way to just kind of stay busy, keep certain members of the staff, particularly the comment section, you know, we wanted to find work for our production team or production staff. So it was fun. We, we learned some new skills. We, we had some fun. Um, and then the part-time staff, you know, the, the bartenders and bar backs and security folks and stuff, we helped everybody get on unemployment, you know, mm-hmm. back in last March and got them set up there. And then again, you know, it's like, unless we, we ran into them at the grocery store, you know, I, it was when we sent updates periodically to just kind of be like, Hey, we're doing this live streaming thing. If you want to, you know, just to kind of keep them abreast of the things we were trying to do to stay busy during the pandemic. But it's, that's been part of the interesting reemerging challenges. Like, how have you been? Like, like, how are you? What have you been doing? You know, did you go back to school? Did you, you know, just, Right out the pandemic. So yeah, I mean, every, everyone's taken a, a different path. You know, there's been plenty of mental health challenges that, that people have had to navigate through the pandemic as well. So it's the thing. I think everyone had their own unique pandemic. And did most of the part-time employees come back? Yeah. I mean, so again, backside 405 is is a small version of what we do, right? Okay. So it's our it's training wheels. And part of that was to for us to relearn, you know, like, okay, this is what you do to promote concerts and produce events. And it has a, a called a small staff. So, you know, it's five or six bartenders and bar back. It's five or six security people. So that was no problem um, to get those. But, you know, when we do a Shelburne Museum show, that's 60 or 70 staff. It ends up being a lot of people. Now, some of it's contract labor, you know, we use a third party security company to come in and help and stuff. So, so some of it we can reach out, but I think where we're really going to start to, I mean, we're working on kind of seeing who's there and who's around. It seems like the vast majority are around and still interested in working. And we we're going to do a bunch of that stuff this summer with Shelburne and Midway and whatnot. And that stuff is a little bit easier to manage because those are one-offs, you know? So if folks have another job, they can say, Hey, I need the night of the 28th off because I'm going to help with the Nathaniel Ratliff show at the Midway lawn. Once we get to the fall and the club turns back on, I mean, that's when, you know, we'll really start rehiring material way, you know, cause we're going to be, the club's going to end up being busy, you know, six, seven nights a week from the moment we open it probably until the end of the year. So that becomes a lot to manage because then it really becomes about trying to create sustainability within the staff so people don't burn out because you're, you know, you've got to basically run two shifts because, you know, one person can't work six nights, you know, or, you know, six shows. So you've got, you got to start to manage all that stuff. And and that's when I think it'll, we'll really start to see the lengths of, you know, kind of who's still around. But I mean, I will say this, it, because of what we do. And the nice thing is, I mean, they're often, you know, we're, we're getting resumes through the website right now, you know, not every day, but three a week. So, you know, People are excited to get back and get involved in this type of work. And, you know, obviously our priority is to the pre-existing staff. And um, I hope most of them are still around and excited. But we're, we're also, it's a tricky spot, you know, that we've got people in because we don't have full-time work right now because we're, we're not reopened in at full capacity. So, you know, those bartenders that bartenders and barbacks that are working every Friday and Saturday at Backside, I mean, there's five other days of the week that we don't have any work for them. So they have to figure out what they need to do 
to pay their bills and survive um, and stay busy. So uh, it's it's tough right now until we get to the fall and we can start to like provide more stable work for folks. It's going to be a mixed bag of who's around and who's available and what other jobs do they have and can they balance with what we're doing. All right. So we'll see. Yeah. 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 Well, what else feels important? I know we have about 10 more minutes or so. I don't know anything that like stood out to you. I was kind of thinking about like biggest challenge from the pandemic or like a brightest gift from it. Like, I don't know what does come out of this for you. That's either been a learning opportunity. I mean, you've spoken of a lot of them, but anything that really stands out from this time that you might not have gained otherwise? Well, I will say it's been absolutely lovely to spend time with my family, which is not something I get to do, you know, because I work a lot and particularly during the summer, which is, you know, sublime in Vermont, um, when most people are downshifting and going on vacation and hanging out with their partners and, and or their family, we're cranking up. That's when we're busy. So, you know, summer for me in Vermont has always been go, go, go. And so last summer, you know, again, we had plenty of challenges and anxiety and things to do, but I wasn't running around or manic or fretting about weather or canceled shows or ticket sales, you know, so that was really nice. And I certainly appreciate that probably be the the one time that that happens because we're now shifting back into that, that normal kind of crazy work mode. So that's something that absolutely isn't lost on me. And there was something else that was about the pandemic that felt like a really nice takeaway. I mean, I'll say one of the nice things that, that I'm seeing now. So again, a lot of fretting and anxiety during the pandemic about what the other side was going to look like and would people's consumer behaviors change? Would they, you know, a year of not doing something and really a year plus of not doing something people's behaviors change, they, they move on, you know? And so one of the things, you know, I was nervous about, or at least wondering about was, are people going to continue to support live music? Are they going to come out? Are musical tastes and trends going to change? I, I always knew people would still want to get together, right? Cause that's part of like human nature is to be together. And that's just hardwired into human evolution as much, as much as like we get consumed by our screens and phones and social isolation, we still like by and large want to get together for protesting, sporting events, funerals, weddings, birthdays, concerts. So I didn't convince myself that that was going away, but I was just like, huh, like going to music is, you know, it's, it's discretionary. I wasn't sure what the economy was going to look like. And, you know, if people are going to have dollars and cents to go spend time on this. And so it's really heartwarming to see coming out of the pandemic and announcing these shows, the reaction, the response, the ticket sales that we're seeing. So that's nice. It's nice on a business level, but it's really nice on just a human level of people still loving music and it being and prioritizing it and like, you know, like having it be one of the first things that people are sort of rushing towards as they come out the pandemic. So. Yeah, I really think people realized how important live music was to their like health and well-being and overall like happiness and satisfaction in life and didn't maybe necessarily realize it until it was completely taken away of like how like healing that that a live music experience is. And so now that it's back, like people, it seems to me, are just like so grateful and are like, I will never take this for granted ever again. Yeah, I think that's true. And it's nice to see the local bands so getting the love too. So it seems to be cutting across the board, which is great because, you know, I was honestly most worried for those younger developing bands during the pandemic. Like I knew the bigger bands, they they could ride out the storm. They have their fan bases. They have 
some economic security. But those bands that are at the sort of like small to mid-sized club levels, particularly the ones that were just kind of hitting liftoff, there's these really important inflection moments like in a band's career or an artist's career, you know, that like take you from like one level and then you like, you move up to the next level. And it's really tough to all of a sudden like lose 18 months and then have to like kind of restart all that. So I'm optimistic. Uh, I'm more optimistic than I was. Yay. <laughs> well, anything else that you'd like to leave our listeners with, Alex? Uh, no, thanks for doing this. I, it's really nice to see you guys and good luck with everything. Yeah, thank you. You as well. Yeah, this has been so wonderful and insightful. We've been, we're doing a three part series with the magic people behind making the music happen. And you are one of them. And I learn so much every time and just have a, such a big appreciation about what you do because you're like taking such a risk to allow music to happen. And that's not lost on me. And I'm just like so grateful that you're so brave to like put on a show. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. See you guys. All right, everyone. And we'll be right back. All right. We're back, everybody. And I am so excited that Alex Crothers exists because (laughs) I get to experience live music now because of that man. Yeah, you are very lucky. Lucky woman living where you do with such a cool concert promoter as Alex there. Yeah, (laughs) and you're all lucky because you got to hear some insider information on what he does and how he does it. So maybe you can bring that into your own community or Mm. suggest it to your local promoters too. Yeah, that season pass idea is such a fabulous idea. I really love that. And I do hope that that happens in more places. You know, and it's just like the whole membership thing. It's like memberships are becoming a way of life in so many different places. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know as a human, I really like it when I like belong to something. I mean, even the live Mm -hmm. music scene in general, like being a fish fan, you're like, you're you just like belong. I don't know. There's Mm -hmm. something there's a belonging. I see somebody out that has a fish hat and I'm like, oh, you're one of us, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And as human beings, we crave a sense of belonging. Like we we need that. We are social creatures. We need to feel like we belong. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we do to try to keep that feeling. Like sometimes they're, you know, kind of work against us because then we don't want to step out of the community. But luckily we have a community with our live music that is more uh, accepting and, you know, a little more outrageous than <laughs> everyday like people in the rest of life so that's really cool we can feel comfortable in and being a little bit more outrageous ourselves and like we're not going to lose that sense of belonging if we do yeah absolutely and like and also like being a season pass holder i feel like really proud because i'm like i am a part in creating stability in the wild world of being a promoter and hmm. bringing live music to places And so, like, I feel I'm making a difference in a really small way by doing that. I mean, even when I'm buying a concert ticket, it feels like I'm doing a small part to, like, support support the arts and do the thing. So the Mm -hmm. season pass is, like, also another way to do that. And I hope it continues and I hope more venues do it because I will own all the season passes in all the places. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You hear that? All the venues will have to hold terribly to that. Okay. I mean, maybe not every single one in the whole world. (laughs) I don't know if my bank account can handle that. (laughs) But you would if you could. I would if I could. And if there was a teller transporter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be awesome. Well, one thing really stood out to me that Alex said, and I would love to highlight that for thee. Did you know? So Alex mentioned at one point how he just wasn't sure if people were going to come back to live music after not being at it for 18 months. And I think we all, as live music fans... Uh, and Tara Lee and I, like, that question is a no-brainer. It's like, well, yes, of course people are going to come back to live music. Like, we know how important it is to us and to you. But there was a research study that really stood out 
to me, and it's called How Music Changes Our Lives, A Qualitative Study of the Long-Term Effects of Intense Musical Experiences. And just as an aside, I want to say that if anybody ever wants to kind of find these research studies on your own, you can go to Google Scholar and you can search the name that I just said. So if I give a name or a researcher, you can put that into Google Scholar and likely you can bring up they don't always have the full research study available, but you can bring up at least the abstract. So just wanted to let you know that. But what the study found was they looked at people who had identified as having an intense musical experience and not just like within the last day or, you know, recently, this might've been like 10 years ago, or I think for even one, it was like 15 or even more years ago. And what they found had made an impact on the people that identified as having an intense musical experience was a couple of things. First of all, that it was characterized by altered states of consciousness, which leads to harmony and self-realization, that people leave the intense musical experience with strong motivation to attain the same harmony in their daily lives, And also that it causes long-term changes to occur in people's personal values, their perception of meaning of life, social relationships, engagement, activities, and personal development. And I think if we think about it, we have all noticed this. So one thing that this research article really highlighted was that once a person finds live music, first of all, it kind of like blows their perception of, of what is possible in life. It's like you you may have felt like you were kind of in a box and then all of a sudden you go to Grateful Dead or Fish or any of, you know, the amazing bands that we have talked about on this podcast and you have your mind blown as far as like first of all from the community, what is possible with people and how they present themselves, but then also what is possible in the music. And you can't unsee that or unexperience that. That's like a part of you. And so as a receiver of this, then they go back into their everyday life. And not only do they try to make their everyday life more harmonious, but they also know the source that they can get back to to continue remembering that this is possible. And so these people really wanted to get back to the live music. But of course, live music can happen every day. So it's also really important to find out how they can find that harmony and create harmony within their everyday lives to support this new experience of what's important to them in life. Yes, I love that so much. I I love learning from you and that like the way that I feel is actually real and makes sense. And I totally like years and years ago, I would experience what you talked about. And then I would go back to my regular life, which was not in harmony at all. And it was so like jarring of like this festival live music show experience or even just a like Wednesday night show. And then I would go back to my regular life and I'd be like, wow, like, what is this? Mm -hmm. And so I've spent a lot of like time and effort and like intention to to change my life. And that's what I'm going to talk about in the Daily Jam. So as Leah said, talking about harmony and how you experience harmony where everything is right in the world when you're at a live music show, I want you to be able to bring more harmony into your daily life when you're at home. And so I just want you to like do this with just like stopping for a second and having a little intention behind it. So say you're like in a traffic jam, just want you to stop and think, how can this moment be a little bit more harmonious right now? If your baby is crying, if your kids are freaking out, if your boss is like being an a-hole or like whatever it is, just stop and be like, how can this moment be a little bit harmonious right now and see how you can make the hard moments also have some harmony within them. And then I also want you to think when you have some free time or maybe you need to schedule this time depending on what your life looks like and scheduling things that that can bring harmony into your life that maybe it's not going to a show because as we said, you can't go to shows all day, all the time. But maybe you can go for a walk or maybe you could take your shoes off and just like put your feet in the grass or lie on your back and look at the clouds. How can you like, what can you do in your daily life 
that is an intentional practice to bring more harmony into your life? And what would that be? And so that's my daily jam. Mm, I love that. Those are such great ideas. And I hope that you will all take that to heart and go and practice that because it will make such a big difference in your life. Yeah, trust me, it does. Like if I look back (laughs) at how my life was before I was doing all this work to my life Mm -hmm. now, it's like it's not even recognizable. And I didn't even think it was possible. But I just started really small and just adding a little bit of harmony and a little bit of harmony and a little more sparkles and a a little Mm -hmm. more like dancing down the street. And then before you know it, I turned into the (laughs) to whatever that is that I am now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I agree. I agree. I can attest to that too in my own life. It makes such a difference. It's the little things like putting your feet in the grass or laying back and looking at the clouds. Yeah. Or even if you have like, I don't drink coffee, but my husband drinks coffee and I love waking up and smelling the smell (laughs) of coffee. Like there's something so harmonious about that. Like life is like good with this smell. I don't know. So like (laughs) it could be as simple as that. Just like breathing in your coffee in the morning and, and taking a moment to smell it. Makes me want to sing the Folger song. <laughs> <laughs> do it, do it. <laughs> I, I won't I sing for you guys, not today. <laughs> today is not the day, I guess. <laughs> not, not the day. You all have to tune in and listen, because maybe when we come back with season two, at some point, then you will hear Leah sing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There'll be people will be making let Leah sing. <laughs> sure <it's> yes. right. <laughs> I'll have to see a few of those before I get there. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are a part of Osiris Media and we're so grateful to be a part. And there are so many amazing musical podcasts on Osiris Media. You can find them all at osirispod.com. And please follow us on Instagram at Groove Therapy Podcasts and also join our Facebook group, Groove Therapy Podcast Community. We would love to have you as a part of that. And if you feel inspired, then we would love for you to leave a rating or review on Apple Pod and also follow us on all of the places that you find your podcasts. Yeah. And if you want to head over like right now when you're done to the Group Therapy Podcast community on Facebook, um, it's a wonderful group. We are going to be posing questions that we talk about in the podcast for you to answer. So we're definitely going to be talking about harmony and where you find harmony. So look for that post and other posts about other podcasts too. Yes. And we so appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. We love you so much. We do. (laughs) I hope you have the best day ever. Yes. And we will catch you next time. All right. Bye. Bye.